You're listening to the Community Pulse Podcast. Welcome your hosts, Mary Thangval, Jason Hand, Sarah Jane Morris, and PJ Haggerty. Hey folks, uh, welcome to Community Pulse. My name is SJ and I'm here with my co-host PJ and we're really excited to talk about advocating for developer advocacy today. So sometimes developer relations needs to be put into a bit of perspective for folks outside the team or community. When your DevRel team comes under fire or there's questions being asked, how do you go about switching from advocacy for your community to advocacy for yourselves? And when DevRel is a new, uh, net new organization or team, how do you build on some of the activities that show the importance of having a dedicated team working with the communities that your organization is involved with? So we're super excited to dive into this. As usual, it's gonna be a great conversation. Okay, we have two great guests with us today. Elizabeth Rosito and Jaime Lopez, and I'll let both of them introduce themselves. So I'll, I'll let you kick it off, Elizabeth. Thanks, Ashley. So nice to be here. Um, thanks for having me. Really excited. Long-time listener. First-time caller in. <laughs> um, I've been building developer communities for more than 10 years uh, at places like HubSpot, LeapMotion, Syracuse University, doing it way back when Startup Weekend was in the early days, and that really kind of got me into stuff and uh, really found a love of building communities specifically for developers. Where can we reach you, Elizabeth? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you can reach me uh, on my website, elizabethrecito.com um, or eRecito on Twitter. And I'm Jaime Lopez, developer advocate at Jack Henry and Associates. I'm comparatively new to developer advocacy as an actual day job title. I think it's been about, uh, seven or eight months now having that title, but I have been doing other sort of developer advocate adjacent type activities, right? So I've been co-hosting a technical podcast called More Than Just Code for almost six years now. We've been doing that. I've been a speaker at technical conferences, uh, both domestically in the United States and abroad in various countries throughout the world uh, for the past three-ish years. And so I'm definitely very excited to turn what was sort of my side gig and hobby into my day job. And that's sort of the perspective I bring to it. And folks want to find me, easiest way is on Twitter as at dev with the hair. Which is for those of you who can't see because we, we this is a podcast now video. Jaime has some awesome hair that I'm extremely jealous of. Think think uh, early 2000 static X. I think that's kind of the, the situation we're looking at. But uh, all, all hair situations aside, for since I don't have any anyway. Um, one of the biggest things that, that is talked about in, in DevRel nowadays, whether you're new to this or you've been doing this for years, it's a question that always comes up is how do you define your team's mission and, and activities to teams outside of DevRel? So, you know, you start a job and, or, or you join a team or you create one at a place that's never had one before. And someone comes and says, I'm in sales. I don't get it. What do you do? How do you kind of define those activities? I think it really depends on when you come to an organization, you know, what's the maturity of the community or of the developer persona you're working with? Do you even know that you have them? Have you interacted them with before? Have your salespeople, hey, I've had people ask me questions like, hey, how can I interact with your APIs or do you have an SDK in this language? And so um, really trying to put it in perspective of how you can contribute value or help their team connect with that type of persona. So that's one of the things I'd kind of frame it as. For me, um, it's really focused on helping developers. And that's 
the way I start the conversation that is distinctly not about external developers, so third parties building against our APIs and using our SDKs. Um, and it's not distinctly about internal, you know, Jack Henry, or in my case, the Bano team engineers, it's all of them, right? So I'm not looking to make one side sort of, you know, take the pain or get all the glory. It's about making sure that end-to-end -end developers are having a great experience. Yeah, helping developers build with X, Y, and Z. I was just to, to echo Elizabeth a little bit. Um, I think it's a really interesting call out, especially in this domain, to think about who you're speaking to and when the question comes up, because I do think there's a pretty interesting sort of argument to be made for DevRel for just about any team within a company. And there's ways that you can explain what you do that kind of will resonate a little bit more with different teams. Um, just because we are so all encompassing and like Jaime mentioned, like it really is all about the complete developer experience. Um, and so, you know, kind of adjusting your definition on the fly is can be helpful. Yeah, so I, I think maybe maybe this was a tough question to start out with. I don't think there's any like strict real de de definition that you say this is, this is when X comes to when any person comes to me, I say, I do DevRel. Um, like there's no there's no simple answer, and it's kind of in the same way that I I mean I've worked at a bunch of different places, and the way that DevRel is done in one place is never the same. Even now with DevRelay, contracting with a lot of different people and having my my employees work as contract DevRel folks, none of them are doing the same thing, yet all of them are doing DevRel, uh, which is interesting even as we, you know, we don't have conferences to go to, so how do you communicate with your developer? How do you find people in the community? Like the huge question that's come up in, in our current setting still has a, a, an answer that is more diverse than, than a simple, yeah, well, I go places, I do stuff. Um, so maybe that was a tough one, but, uh, but Jaime, you brought up the, the idea that there's a different, like a lot of people don't understand that there is an internal development team that you are advocating for, and there's an external team that you're advocating for and in both situations advocating to. So let's talk a little bit like, you know, do you spend like a lot of time trying to figure out that balance or do you find that there's definitely one, you're like definitely more out in the community advocating to and for external developers than internal? So this answer might change over time because we're just getting started with our developer program. Um, right now, um, I'd say it's probably 80% external faced and only about 20% internal. And a lot of the internal side is based on helping folks understand what is for our business a pretty fundamental change. So historically, we've sold financial technology services, fintech services to companies and have had the behind the scenes sort of sort of the full stack covered, right? From online and mobile banking, um, you know, sites and apps that goes down to the banking core that actually deals with all the nitty gritty accounting for your finances, but not having folks necessarily build in a very open way, like random developers on the street deciding to integrate. And that's a very fundamental and different change, right? And people have said, um, you know, APIs are promises. And that's even more so true when we have other folks who are not engineers that I can just go look up in Slack or Microsoft Teams and, and interface with. So the focus has been getting them to think about, you know, it's not just your your web and Android and iOS teams you have to consider and, and general migration paths. We also have to consider, well, what happens when somebody else has built a business or a very critical part of their functionality on top of this? And there's a an extra bit of 
responsibility and accountability that we have now. So that's what that 20% is. The other 80% is on helping folks understand what is possible and in some cases what's not possible and what we're philosophically not going to do. So I know it's early days, Jaime, but have you um, started to see any sort of tactics or um, efforts that help share this, like the critical message of how important it is to be aware of these folks that are building businesses on top of your, your platform and APIs internally to share that value? Yeah, so one thing that I have done is uh, be involved with the product and engineering teams to understand sort of what they're building and in many cases raising ideally at the you know requirements level when people are still discovering you know, what will this feature or product do they well okay but what about folks who who aren't building on our specific product or even one of our product changes right like let's not get focused too heavily on what does this particular ui do what if we change the ui and use that as a lens to say oh yeah like what if other people have different ways of dealing with this and then at the engineering side, being involved in ideally the technical design discussions of, you know, here's what the shape of this API will be, or here's sort of the, the way in which it will work. And in some of the less ideal cases would be, well, I, I have access to all the pull requests that we use. We use GitHub, right? So I can jump in and say, well, what happens if somebody doesn't have this part, which they may not have if they're non-Jack Henry. Oh, that's right. Okay. Then we need to reshape the API. I'm really curious, um, how do you share that feedback with your teams too? And do you focus on more on like um, the interactions that they've been having and how their changes are impacting the community? Or is it more you hear first from people that might have a certain part um, and you've got changes coming down the pipeline and they need to prepare for that? So this is within the sort of internal or the external folks? I think I missed the nuance. Um, I'm kind of curious how you interact with internal folks that way. Oh, okay. So I've admittedly could be doing a better job of this. And I've actually have been thinking of it. Oh, it would be great to get um, a time slot in like an engineering all hands um, and the equivalent for product to, to just sort of explain like, hey, just so folks know this is sort of the, the philosophy we're, we're looking to do. And uh, these are how some of these things I expect will change and and we're not going to get it right. You know, just whatever I go up there and, and say a ton of words is my best attempt with the knowledge that I have, but could be wildly wrong. So the key, at least for me, I think will be to get that more formally out there and also be really receptive to feedback if people tell me like, well, actually, this is totally wrong here somewhere and we need to adjust. Well, I think I think it's interesting you bring that up because I think that one of the 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 more nuanced things is delivering that at least in my experience i've always found that when you get information from the the external community and you bring it into the internal community sometimes you're met with resistance because there's always like that weird feel that devrel you're not a real engineer you're not doing it every day you don't understand what we're going through don't bring us this information but if you're doing what you're doing right like you're saying you're just honestly giving the feedback that you've received and sharing it with them, then there's a more positive response to that. Uh, there's kind of a, we're all in this together, high school musical, let's all dance and, and choreograph movement kind of situation, as opposed to an us versus them thing. Or, you know, the what does the customer know? Well, the customer is using our technology. They probably actually know more about it than we do. They just might not know the guts as well as we do. I mean, I have a, a, a statement for, for my particular take, and then I'm kind of curious, Elizabeth, in your experience. So yeah. for, for my take, I may not be 
in an engineering role now, but I do have, what is now, 16 years of professional software engineering experience. So I'm a for real Z software engineer. Uh, I know uh, that it gets can in trouble I endorse in Canada. you for that on, on LinkedIn? Yeah, I guess I can't claim that in like Canada because they actually do take the engineering yeah, title a little bit more seriously than the US. <laughs> I will state this is a USA specific usage of the term, uh, but I am a for real Z engineer who spent a lot of time as an iOS engineer, I've done some Android, I've done backend, I've done web a very long time ago when uh, IE6 was the king and Mozilla, the dinosaur, not the Firefox, was the new kid on the block. So I, I can bring that to it, right? So I can tactfully remind people of that, that I'm not just a, a pretty face with weird hair. Um, so I don't really struggle too long, much with that, um, should it ever come to that. I think it goes back to building relationships, in all honesty. And, and I mean, you made a great point about how you present that. So have you built relationships with people on product, on engineering? Where does your team sit? I don't mean to like wave around that, but I'm trying to show you whether you're employee number one at a startup, right? You're a team of 10 or you're a new team inside of an established enterprise company, there are kind of at least repeatable playbooks about how you build relationships and how you get the information out there about what DevRel can do, both for your team and what it does at the core. And that might change year over year as both the company needs change and your community's needs change too. Um, and for us, it's hey, if this company is data-driven, so then let's present them feedback in a data-driven way. Like, hey, do you know that we had this many comments on this issue recently? Or we've talked to support and we're seeing the number of support cases rise in this area. Or let's talk to sales engineering, right? And maybe it's not something they log, but they still probably kind of have an idea of the feedback and needs of the people they're interacting with that DevRel can help with. Yeah, I, I like the idea of, of you talked about relationship building, Elizabeth, and I think that that's that's kind of uh, you know we 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 wanted to talk a little bit about like proactively making sure you don't come under fire from other departments. And I think that the key is what what you just said there. If you, if you're being proactive, you build a relationship that sometimes has nothing to do with the work, but you just kind of establish yourself as as a credible point of contact or a credible person. Who I mean, in my mind, when you're doing DevRel, you're a part of the community. You're just also part of the company that's also a community and you're trying to bring those two things together. Um, so like, I think, I think when you do kind of, you know, show up day one, you're like, Hey, I'm here to, I'm here to do the work. I'm here to hang out. I'm here to talk to people. What, what's on your mind? What's going on? What do you think of these, these situations or this piece of technology or whatever? Um, I think that really helps, but sometimes like it's hard to avoid being put under fire as they say, especially from organizations within your company that don't understand DevRel. So like, how do you try to, what other than relationship building, like what do you try to do to kind of avoid that situation? Like make sure that no one ever comes and says, you're living a party lifestyle, DevRel, we see you, we see your Instagram. What are you doing here? Um, how how do you, you assume there's an Instagram, there's even a party lifestyle these days? <laughs> well, I, okay, so maybe this is a slightly outdated question in the, in the current times, but um, there, there's still like the perception that, I mean, I've, I've heard from a lot of people who are in DevRel, there's even almost even more so of a perception that they're not doing anything right now because there are no conferences to go to. There are no, you know, fancy conference parties to be at to, you know, in video arcades and what have you. So what, what do you do in DevRel? 
how do you, how do you prepare for that question? How do you, you know, almost what, what are your best techniques for trying to make sure that never comes up? Besides hosting conferences on animal crossing. <laughs> right. Or online. <laughs> I, honestly, uh, it feels like DevRel's actually been changing for quite a while and it's more community and almost customer engagement, right? Developers are customers too. APIs, developer tools, our products too. Um, so not just really, at least in my mind, um, it, it's been less about conferences. Uh, when we started off at HubSpot, you know, it was a really small team of two. And it's actually just a focus on documentation. And can we work with any teams that really own APIs to understand, hey, do you, do you know, know how people are using your stuff? And how can we be of help to you? How can we communicate what you're curious about? What do you want to know about more? How can we provide value to you before we ever even try to ask anything of you and extract value? So I know we're no, we don't really want to focus on metrics, which is fine. And you can have an agreement with your pillar, your North Star, your company star to show that. But I don't think you necessarily need to be a revenue center or an evangelism center. I think DevRel can actually be a cost reduction center for a company from day one. And you help drive down support ticket costs and you help drive down or create um, content that lets people kind of self-serve and answer questions so that information and that friction doesn't even come into your flywheel as a company. Completely. And if you're a marketplace platform, you know, what your developers are creating to create that dependency that customers rely on, you know, in apps and integrations, there's tons that can be showcased there in terms of the importance of what DevRel is doing to make that happen. I would add to um, what's the language of your company internally? What's your culture? Are you like diehard wiki folks? You know, is it newsletters? Is it lunch and learns? I think all the way back to PJ, your original question of like, what does DevRel do? Figure out like, how have you seen other projects, especially engineering projects succeed at your company? How did that person who built that project or the team that built that project how did they get buy-in, right? How did they communicate, especially if it's something like going from OAuth 1 to OAuth 2, right? And that's never a fun project for your teams and your customers. Well, I mean, it's funny because it, what, what you just said actually reminded me of a great talk that I saw uh, by a friend of mine. His name is Donish Khan. Uh, he used to be at GitHub. I think he's at Fastly now. It doesn't really matter where he is. But he gave a talk. He's, he's a salesperson. But he gave a talk at a tech conference that called Everybody's in Sales. And it explained how, you know, a developer goes through their life, but they, what they really are is they're a salesperson. And I think that he got it, he got it right, but slightly wrong. I think really everybody at a company is in DevRel. Anyone who works at a company that's dealing with developers or dealing with users or customers is in some sort of DevRel role. Anytime you step out and somebody says, hey, what do you do? Oh, I work at such and such a place. Oh, really? I use your API. Well, guess what? It, you know, whether you're the, the, C, the CTO or the the marketing person or the actual devrel person or an engineer you're now doing devrel whether you meant to or not call it accidental devrel if you will i would extrapolate that to community although i would say um you know every com a company member is a you know a, almost a community ambassador when they're out right. In the world, right um of course when it comes to more technical conversations though we could definitely say that everyone's in devrel or even just audience, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. See, I, I always equate DevRel with community work. So to me, it's the, like the words are interchangeable. Yeah. Um, back in my day, we didn't have titles. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's interesting. I think props to Mary for that, by the way. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. <laughs> I would agree with that. I mean, I'm really curious. I mean, how are you doing that? You've got fintech, which is definitely, I think, an interesting but very growing type of space, especially for Denver and community too. Let me think about how to state some of these things because I did state at the beginning of the show I'm relatively new to this as a you know as a role that I get paid to do. Um, and I have been, you know, in the DevRel collective and I've been keeping up with a lot of stuff like, uh, you know, like I, I spoke at DevRelCon Tokyo last year and that was sort of my entry into, into this path. And I've sort of gotten a whole bunch of different opinions on what goes into developer relations and titles is a really tricky and delicate topic. So I'm going to do my best to not offend people, but I think going back to some of what I have seen and a lot of the freak out that happened as the pandemic caused conferences to get shut down and other things to change is I saw a fair number of folks in this industry freak out because their key objectives and results and the measures that they have were completely blown away. Like, and I could sort of tell it was something like go to X number of conferences, try to be on all seven continents within the same month, you know, <laughs> like that seemed to be what they were, be or I inferred that's what they were being measured on it. And it's very different for me because I came into this role and that was never going to be our approach, right? We weren't focused on what I would consider sort of more the like developer marketing side of things. And, and my role as an advocate was always going to be, how can we scale what we're doing? Right. And I did have some plans. We did have some key industry conferences that have either been postponed or, um, you know, just virtual don't exist anymore. Right. right. <laughs> Altogether, it's not just, well, 2021 is like, oh, this, this may not ever happen again. But we were always going to be focused on, you know, what will scale. So a lot of that is going to be technical guides and documentation. A lot of it was going to be creating proof of concept projects. And yes, some of those might have turned into, oh yeah, I'll get an opportunity to go to a conference like a Money 2020 or Finnovate or Finos and, and go present it on stage. Great. That's cool to go, you know, get the pulse of people in, in, in some future state, you know, um, hit elbows, I guess. Maybe we won't shake hands anymore <laughs> after this. Um, yeah, is anyone working on the post-COVID handshake situation like i feel like this might be an opportunity for one of our listeners to start a startup based on how exactly we interact i mean air high fives never looked cool um elbows only work in baseball yeah does yeah, someone so own no more awkward hugs.com anyway probably not. <laughs> <laughs> sorry give, I mean. give me 10 so, minutes so, so for me the disruption wasn't too difficult right so of the third pillar of like you know presented conferences and meetups and etc were appropriate that was never going to be a very big part and it definitely was not going to be measured in any way about that right so that's sort of where i feel like i fit differently and because this is another as long as i'm talking about controversial topics i happen to report into the engineering team so although i'm very invested you know as a as a corporate citizen here like yeah, i sure would like for our product to be selling really well and and you know up and to the right and all metrics i'm not really focused on that right i can focus on you know the longer term and not just oh my gosh i'm not going to hit my quota for the month i'm not gonna hit my quota for the quarter of the year yeah that's an interesting point i feel like the practice of devrel and what it looks like in a company does often get deeply impacted depending on who you're reporting into 
Um, speaking of someone who is reported both in engineering and into marketing um, in similar roles, and my priorities are you know quite different in both. Although ultimately, at the end of the day, I've always felt really strongly that there's lots of different ways to do it, but as long as we're like elevating and showcasing our developer community needs, um, then we're doing the right work. But how to do that in a corporation or an organization and how to get that message across most effectively is definitely the, one of the biggest challenges depending on where you are. And, and, I, and I like what, what, what you both mentioned about kind of the evolution of DevRel as a thing. Like, I think that uh, engineering or development or programming, whatever you want to call it, depending on your country of origin, um, evolves slower than, than the community. Like the job is still the job. Uh, you go in, you write code, you write tests, you deploy things, you put it on infrastructure, whatever, whatever it is you do. That hasn't changed much. Some of the tools have changed, but for the most part, the job itself has not changed in 50 years. Um, on the other hand, DevRel seems to be constantly in flux. Like, what does it mean? How does outreach work? How are communities changing? Um, you know, like, you know, Jaime, you mentioned that a lot of these big conferences are going away. Uh, what do, does that mean? We're going to see a resurgence in the the regional or local conferences, the smaller conferences that you know. In my my personal opinion, we're always better because you can interact with everybody because there were two hundred people, not two hundred thousand. You know, it's it's there's a lot there's a lot to balance and a lot to figure out. But at the same time, I feel like we're seeing the fight less with the the C levels and the directors and people like that who are you know like Devrel. What do we need that for? They get that we need it. And that's another thing we can thank Mary for. I've given that book to so many people who have seen their title and it's really worked out, I think, for the benefit of everyone. But even beyond that, like it's the people on the, on the lesser levels that are just beginning to understand. And as we change things, I think it makes it more difficult to advocate for what we do. Because you know, when you walk into a place like, but I thought you were just someone who talked on stage. It's like, no, actually, I also write a lot of documentation. I also write a lot of blog posts and I also work with the marketing team to make sure the technical parts of our messaging are on, on point. Um, so maybe we actually find ourselves advocating less for our roles as the role itself evolves. Is that, does that sound reasonable? Does this sound like a real thing or am I, am I just talking? It's, it's totally possible. That yeah. It's just my perspective. I think it's fair, right? Like, um, I'm not sure that anybody at the sea level you go to and say, you know what, why do we have HR, human resources? <laughs> that's just over. That doesn't produce products. That, that is so over. Sales, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, why don't we just cut that? It's like, well, you might have arguments about like, what's the size and, and how can they be more effective and, and maybe do more with less. But I don't think you'd see anybody at any serious sized company. I'm not talking, you know, one to two person startups. That's, that's different, right? Like when you hit a certain size, it's like, yeah, we very clearly need somebody doing this full time and not sort of on the side of their desk. And, and nobody would ever say that. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that DevRel is getting to the point where it's like, yeah, you just sort of expect to have it. I would agree with that. I think it what you have within DevRel changes though, as your community needs change, as your ecosystems needs change. Um, I've been at places where advocacy meant, yeah, working with products and engineers, sales, writing docs, working with marketing, working with community on personas, identifying those needs. And it's also included certification for marketplaces. It's included being community advisors with partners in your ecosystems, hopping on calls to solve 
you know, some really gnarly <laughs> integration hiccups that have come along as you're going to market, you know, with a strategic partner. So uh, it's nice to see. I think that a lot of serious companies like want, want it. They're just not sure necessarily how to grow. And then if people like you all that are and your awesome guests on this podcast, that can really help a lot of companies see the value and why it's needed and where it can take the company to. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we had this talk. Uh, I think that a lot of, I think that what we're, what the main focus of this was to kind of give tools to people who are, you know, like Jaime, maybe new to their position or maybe have been in the position for a while, but have seen a little resistance. I think we've given them some things that they can look at and, and go to and say, you know, I am somebody, I have a role here and to better explain that role to, to help themselves out. So thank you for that. Um, we've reached the point in our show where we get to uh, some people's favorite part and some people's least favorite part, which is checkouts. Uh, where we're going to take the opportunity. I explain this every episode. This is this is like the 52nd time I've explained this. Um, where we take a look at some things that, you know, maybe have to do with the conversation, maybe they don't, but they're things that were of interest and, and people would like to share on the show. Um, SJ, do you want to start us off? And I will finish this up and we'll put Elizabeth and Jaime in the middle. Hey, sure. That sounds great. Um, so I have a couple this week, although um, the last time we did this, I talked about how my my entire checkout was Animal Crossing, and that's still partially true. Um, <laughs> but I should probably talk about other things. Um, so that would be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> just for the sake of those who are not playing that game. Um, so one of the things we started doing in our team is um, theme zoomed back themed Zoom backgrounds. So for each of our team meetings, we'll like make the call in advance where. So we, we've literally only done this once, but we're going to start doing it more um, where this week it was, okay, put your Zoom background to your favorite album of all time. Um, and so then we all have a, cute, and a what, cool chat. Hold up. What was, what was yours? <laughs> I knew you'd ask that. Oh, yeah. um, it was Stars Set Yourself on Fire. Oh, that's a great album. Yes. That's a Canadian band and PJ is down with the Canadian rock, which is uh, a plus for, for all, our relationship, which... <laughs> Yeah, you get the you you have the cred for sure. Oh yeah, so Elizabeth, you definitely. Upstate know. New York, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you got the Canadian cred. Um, so that's been really fun. I think we're gonna start doing like favorite movies and things like that, just like as a nice icebreaker to kick off uh, our calls in this weird time where everything's weird. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to share on that note, actually, somewhat related. I don't know if about you, but I've been a little bit exhausted with the amount of people talking about doing like virtual, like at home workouts and like aerobics and like all of the folks like offering virtual classes. They're great. I'm glad that they're happening, but there's been very few that have been inspiring to me. Um, but I recently found out about one called punk rock aerobics, which is basically this woman who's just like a punk rock badass queen based in Boston um, who does like really silly workouts to really intense punk music. So I'm going to be checking that out on Tuesdays to six o'clock. We'll be uh, posting the links to the, in the notes, but it's punkrockaerobics.com. And so you can work out and also rock out. And that's my kind of workout. So <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and that's it for me. Elizabeth, do you have anything to share? Um, yeah, I've, I've been diving into a lot of fun stuff right now. Um, and a little bit me and, uh, you know, trying to jump on the wellness train, <laughs> maybe not quite as cool as punk rock aerobics, but, um, 
Yale is doing a free course on Coursera called the Science of Wellbeing. Um, so if you're done with thinking about like a little bit of self-development, how do you surf this crazy, crazy time that we're in that seems to be, you know, the phase or that or the new normal or what have you, um, it's free. And so you can get a certificate for it or you can take it on your own. And then the other one that I've actually just been diving to professional, but I think is super fun is you have to check out backstage.io. It's by the Spotify team and they just released this amazing open source developer portal that really helps like put developer experiences first. So it lets you kind of get all your tooling and infrastructure together with, you know, a really nice unified front end. Um, if you really want to play around with something, maybe your team just getting started, you don't have a huge like developer experience crew yet. This is definitely something I think that's going to help a lot of folks around the world. I'll take it over to Amy. I've got a couple. One is by uh, Lindsay Kopaz. I'm not really sure. I apologize. I hope I didn't get your name incorrect. I did my best. Uh, in any case, the article is entitled 10 Ways to Help Accessibility at Conferences as a Speaker. And I've, I think that's a very important thing just on the principle of it, of ensuring that content is accessible. Um, and I thought these were pretty good tips that would apply just as well if you know, some future state where we're all standing on stages and we've got, you know, uh, drinks ready to go sort of thing. Or if we're sitting in our pajamas and we're live streaming content on Twitch or uh, virtual events, things like making sure that uh, you have friendly, easy to read short links, right? Don't, don't make me try to remember the 32 character UUID because that's painful. Um, and also things like uh, you might traditionally think about for accessibility inclusion, like um, are the colors and fonts things that people can actually read? I think a lot of folks have focused on that. Oh, will it show up on a, on a sort of terrible, crappy projector? Okay, great, but that still applies because not everybody has uh, a 4K HDR monitor that of course I can see everything. And that doesn't even include the biological aspects of like, maybe I literally can't tell the difference because I have some degree of colorblindness or uh, the font size is too small, et cetera. So it's a great read. I don't want to steal the thunder. Go read the 10. It's very short. And I think it's something that we can all apply in the future. The second one is one I'm, it's, it's on my to-do list, right? So I'm, I can't uh, proclaim that uh, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I have heard from many folks that this is a high quality course. And this is by uh, Google's uh, developer camp where they have a technical writing courses set up for uh, for everybody, right? And they say right here on the tin, every engineer is also a writer. That's their take on it. I think <laughs> technical writing skills are something that everybody can benefit from. I know that uh, as I've been here in the in virtual land, I've attended Write the Docs um, virtual meetups in Seattle, uh, Barcelona, and uh, Berlin, I want to say. And one of these, and I apologize, I, don't, I can't give you the props. It was one of you three who said, hey, this is a really good thing to do. I'm like, oh, that's really great. Because even though I can write technical content to some degree of ability, I'm not trained as a technical writer. So I'm very curious in learning how to level up this particular skill as part of the job. Awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out because I always think that anything that helps with your technical writing skills, helps you up your skills is super important. Um, and, and I will take us out with the, the final, uh, final checkout. Uh, coincidentally, so to be clear, listeners, SJ and I do not sit together and plan our checkouts, but sometimes they do coincidentally go together. Um, so she mentioned punk rock aerobics. Uh, a new album came out today. 
uh, by the band Western Addiction, which is an old kind of old school style punk band, but actually didn't get started until the early 2000s. But they kind of have that nice black flag sound and great, super intelligent, very political, um, but very energizing at the same time. So their new album came out. It's called Frail Bray, and you should definitely check that out. Um, for those of you who don't know or don't follow me on Twitter, first of all, why? I mean, like, why? But secondly, uh, if you do follow me on Twitter, you know that I, I did just go through the whole COVID isolation thing. And it's very important that I, I know a lot of people want to get outdoors and do things and it's getting beautiful outside, but please, for the sake of me, people like me and the people around you, stay home, stay safe, buy local. If you need to get anything, try to find a way to get it from a local organization because Amazon has plenty of money, but maybe, you know, someone local could use it. So those are my checkouts. That is our episode. Elizabeth and Jaime, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, SJ, always a pleasure. If you have feedback, if you are interested in what we do here at the Community Pulse, we're pretty easy to find. Community underscore Pulse on Twitter, uh, PJ or SJ or Jason or Mary at communitypulse.io. If you need to email us, um, communitypulse.io is our website and you can find our podcast wherever you want. And that pretty much is a great place to leave a review or stars or whatever. So that's fantastic. As is common, I'm going to end this with a wonderful quote from one of the, the major players, the major domos of hip hop, probably one of the biggest stars of all time, Mr. Biggie Smalls, who once said, you know very well who you are. Don't let them hold you down. Reach for the stars. So with that, thank you very much from Community Pulse, and we'll see you next episode. You've been listening to the Community Pulse. Find out more at communitypulse.io on Twitter at community underscore pulse or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts.